All right, can you, okay. I apologize. Wow, what a great group. Yay. They're going back to school, and they're all home, and <laughs> oh, we have some celebrations there, of course, right? Oh, no, I love, I love seeing that. If you are, are with us this morning, maybe recently have been joining us, we don't say this all the time, there was a time when we were uh, dealing with, you know, what are we doing with our kids, and you might wonder, well, this is a little odd. Not a lot of churches do what we do anymore to have the kids join us in worship and then, then go out before I preach. Yeah, we got to get them out of there before I preach. But anyway, <laughs> the, the, the reason for that is we want your kids to see us worship, just singing, singing the songs. We want them to hear it. I, I got to tell you, I love Oliver, singing with Oliver on Sunday morning, and, and I, I leaned over to him, I said, hey, this is, my, this is Papa's favorite song. I just, I just loving this song. You know, this, this is who God is. He, he loves me, and, and this is who I am. Yeah, that identifies me, and I, so I love that song. I didn't tell him all that, but uh, I, I just, you know, singing with him and, and watching the kids, you know, experience that. Uh, they're knowing that, and so I, I think that is absolutely valuable. Uh, one, one real positive on it. I got to tell you, you know, just real anxious for it and things like that at first because they're a little restless. Can you imagine that? And they, they but, but when they came in and they started watching us and even emulating some of you, you know, and, and I, I saw some emulating playing guitar or drums or whatever else, I just love them being here and I hope you do as well. All right, uh, we are still in the, our series, and today and next week, I'll let you know, today and next week, we're going to finish it up, um, this series of what's love got to do with it, and uh, we are turning into the book of 1 John. If you want to go ahead and find 1 John, it's actually chapter 2, verses 3 through 11 of the verses we're going to be looking at, uh, and, and here's the reason why. Uh, when I thought, well, how do I conclude this? Uh, one verse came to mind. It wasn't exactly a complete verse. It's out of 1 John 4, 8, where, where John just says, God is love. He defines God by saying, God is love. And I thought, well, what else does John have to say? Is it, is it you know, I know he has so much to say about love. And so I thought, if anything, as we wrap up this, what I, what I call a difficult series, some of the things we've touched and, and spent some time on has been difficult. And so I thought, well, I'm going to have John just lay it out for us uh, in the direction we're going to go today. And I, and I started reading through it. I got to a place. So verses uh, 3 through 11 in chapter 2 is what I'd like to read for you. Before we read that, I, I want to let you know, at, at first I, I even thought that this was kind of, well, well, what is John? It doesn't really come out real clear and say, hey, I'm writing because of this reason. But it is for troubles in the church. I mean, we went through 1 Corinthians. We're familiar with churches having difficulties. Paul addressed it. And in this letter, I believe John is also addressing a serious problem with the church. And, and matter of fact, that problem, if you want to look at it, write, jot it down. It's chapter 2, verses 18, but especially 19. There, there's an indication that, that it, it looks like there's a split happening in the church. The split is coming. He actually calls, you know, says, hey, we know there's an antichrist, but there are many antichrists, you know, opposed to Christ, uh, and, and they were actually within the church. And, and they're leaving, and they're taking uh, some of those who were connected to the church with them. 
Or at least that's what it sounds like. Uh, chapter 2, verse 19, if you want to read that. So there's troubles in the church. So when we, when we get to this part, I, th- I, f- I find this just real valuable uh, in, in what he is saying. To, to the members that are still holding on, maybe some of them are, being, are entertaining the thoughts of, of, of others that have gone. So it's very significant this letter for this congregation. I believe it's very significant to us as we'll see as we read through it. First of all, verse, verse 3, second chapter of verse 3 says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. 13 is kind of a key verse, so let me read it again. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yes, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister or ancestor, lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know what they are going. They do not know where they're going, because the darkness has blinded them. John lays out in this verse, if you heard it, we'll, we'll go back through it, but that, man, there's basically... A means to measuring, measuring uh, that that basically helps identify either whether individuals are sincere in their walk with God, are they genuine, or as if you heard it in there, John says, man, even that place where he asked the question, you know, if you say you know him and, and, and you don't follow his commands, you are a liar. So if there's deceitfulness working in us. Uh, so here's the direction I, I would like to take and, and make very clear to you. I believe when then there, there are some tests that we could look at to see if, if our relationship with God is real, if it's genuine, if it's sincere. And, and let me tell you, as it began in verse, verse 3, the focus is obedience, that word obedience. Matter of fact, here's, here's the first point. The test of knowing God is obedience, uh, again, verse 3. Uh, what, what does John mean by knowing God? What does he mean by knowing God? Um, is it having knowledge about God? I mean, we all know we could, we could lay out some you know, details about God. I mean, in the Old Testament, he's, he's called Yahweh or Jehovah, and there's a lot of uh, different connections with Jehovah. There's stories that we could go to that reveals his character. I mean, the flood, what did that do? It shows his anger, his judgment, uh, his creation. Man, the power of God is identified. 
Uh, David goes into great depths of describing him as a way of a shepherd or as a, a mighty tower, different, different aspects that gives us an idea. So we fill ourselves up with knowledge. Is that what John is talking about, this information that we're given? Actually, actually the problem within the church that I mentioned, within John, that John is dealing with, can't say it's Gnosticism. Gnosticism really had its going much later, but I believe it had its beginnings. It had its beginnings as the gospel became popular and it began to be, be spread. Uh, it, it became distorted. And, and Gnosticism is one of those things that caused troubles for the church. And he, even here, I believe there is a, a beginnings of, of some of the thought. And Gnosticism actually comes from the word knowing. Uh, Gnosko, Gnosticism. Gnosticism basically sees that salvation is found in knowledge. That's the simplest way to put it. Man, knowledge means salvation for us. And, and even to think uh, that, that um, uh, you know, well, what, what does knowledge save us from? Well, knowledge could save us from ignorance. But Jesus didn't come to, to die for our ignorance. Part of that is true. But the whole truth is Jesus came to die for our sinfulness, to free us from sin. That's so important for us to understand and embrace. He didn't, he didn't come just because of our ignorance. I believe we are ignorant. We needed Jesus to reveal God to us, and he did. But he went so much further to, to you know, heal us from our sinfulness or bring us freedom from our sinfulness. John says, I think this is very important, look at, look at verse 3 again. When he says, we know, we have come to know. That caught my attention. Uses know twice. He says, we know. It's kind of that present tense. Here's what we know. That we have come to know. And, and there is a difference in the endings. You know, the same, same word, but difference in the way John uses it. Uh, John uses that way. We have come to know. It is an ongoing knowledge. It, it is a, a present perfect tense as I, as I know and I, I'm going to continue in knowing it's an ongoing knowledge that that uh, uh, that we have in God and if we are living in that an ongoing knowledge an active knowledge of God then we're going to keep his commands L let me just illustrate it like this I know Linda I know Linda you know back when you know I thought well she's beautiful you know, I could tell you all kinds, kinds of things about Linda, and, and uh, I could tell you where she was born. I could tell you where she went to school. I could tell you uh, that she had uh, a good choice in men. Um, <laughs> I could tell you some details, but, but here, um, uh, I, I could also say that, that it, it's been a continued, it's a continued knowing, Linda, in that, that uh, uh, ongoing perfect sense. Uh, well, how can I prove that? Well, I married her. That, that's, a, you know, that's a part, but it's been ongoing. It's been you know, having children with her, and now we're doing Nana Papa together. And, and not only that, but, but I could honestly tell you that, that there's been ch some changes that have been made in me because of Linda. I would have never cho chosen this shirt. <laughs> you, but you all know that, right? You look at me and say, oh yeah, Linda, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've never gone to a store. I just don't buy stuff, but it shows up on the bed. Okay, I'll put it on kind of thing. So, but there's, there's change. And then we think about this relationship with God. It is an ongoing relationship with God. I, 
It is ongoing knowledge of God. And it is identified in the fact that we are following and, or, or obedient to him. It is that relationship. Um, he includes in that next verse, he says, that anyone who claims to know God, again, it's that same word in that perfect tense, that ongoing perfect knowledge. Anyone who claims to have that kind of knowledge of God, uh, and, and yet he doesn't follow through with the commandments of God, then he is a liar. That, that's pretty tough what John lays out. I believe he's laying it out for the congregation because I, in their hearts, I think they want to follow after God. They want to do what's right. They have that passion for God. They want to, they want to do what's right. And no one wants to be called a liar when it comes to their relationship with God. Right? <laughs> I, I don't want to come in today and find out, hey, you know what? I haven't been living right. John's calling me a liar. It's time to correct that. Are you living in obedience to God? I think that's revealed even more so in what he says in verse 6. The test of abiding in God is living like Jesus. Here's what he says in verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Oh, and and we got the Gospels that lays out his life. This is how how Jesus lived his life, and, and we're to emulate that. We're called to emulate that. Uh, And when it says to live in God, it is that word abiding or remaining. It reminds me of of John chapter 15, where uh, one of my favorite passages in John is that that vine and the branches. You know, the branches that that remain uh, in that vine are connected. And those that are removed are disconnected. One produces fruit and the others. Here's here's verse 5. It says, I am the vine... You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you could do nothing. It is absolutely in this connection, this abiding, remaining in God. If that's where we are, then then we're going to look to emulate or to copy after Jesus, to live his life. Okay, let's just all admit it, tough pursuit, right? Oh, because Jesus did, all, did it all well. Isn't that right? Jesus did it all well. Um, I remember the bracelets. What would Jesus do? I, the, the idea was great. Uh, what would Jesus do? Keep on asking yourself, what would Jesus do? But it became a fad, and then all of a sudden, everybody's, and, and no one is following through. Oh, man, if it followed through. If we would just continue to follow through, it's still that. What would Jesus do? Follow after that. I encourage you. Man, you know this. I've been singing this song for a long time. Read, read the Word. Love the Word. And, and if it's not something that you're doing yet, man, a great place to start is right there with Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I believe John is recording this to, or, or writing to the churches that definitely had, had John's gospel available. And, and, and probably Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke uh, had their Gospels out by now, uh, revealing different things about Jesus. And, and they were able to read and, and then measure themselves a- according to what Jesus... Uh, you know, one of those cases is, well, how did, how did Jesus live his life? Well, it wasn't according to the law. All the conflicts he had with those who were so religious, yet Jesus came by. He said, man, I want your mercy, not your sacrifice. Just, just kind of an idea is there. Jesus lived in obedience to God. 
He absolutely lived in obedience. I think one of the most poignant times of, of seeing that, that obedience is when that cup was set before him and he was praying before he faced the, the cross. He said, God, uh, take this cup from me, but, but not my will, your will be done. And he followed through with going to the cross for us. Obedience all through his life. Uh, here's a couple things I think Jesus especially followed through in his obedience to God, the way he loved. Absolutely, I mean, the way he approached and, and embraced children, talked about them, loved children. Uh, and he loved the sinners. We've already seen that this summer and, and how he approached the, the sinners, the tax collectors and the sinners and ate supper with them, which the religious people had a hard time with. But Jesus loved well. Samaritan people uh, uh, loved everyone. Those rejected by others, Jesus loved. He loved the whole world because he came for that reason. Also, he was holy. Uh, you know, we've, we've emphasized our Monday morning group, uh, we're reading a book called uh, uh, Pursuit of Holiness. And, and the emphasis of, of, you know, that command is we are called to be holy like God is holy. Again, both these commandments are difficult, but we see Jesus doing it. We see Jesus doing it. Commanded to be holy like God is holy. We're to live holy like Jesus. Uh, the, the idea behind how Jesus lived his life, it was, it, it was so significant how, how Jesus uh, responded uh, to the temptations that Satan lived out. It wasn't, he, he lived in obedience, not according to what his body desired, not loaves of bread, not being elevated above all kingdoms or anything. Uh, it was according to what God desired in his life. I, I think about us, when we come to a time when we're being tempted, we need to remember it is according to obedience and, 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 and disobedience. You know, when, when we're tempted, how are we doing? How are we living our lives? We, again, we've been been rescued or freed from our sinfulness now we're called to holiness therefore hey we have the opportunity in every day to be obedient to him and continuing to reject sinfulness or that choice of being uh, of disobeying and one of the things emphasized in the book that we've been reading was you know hey there's people who talked about victory hey i've had victory over sin or, you know, if we haven't, it's called a, a defeat. And instead of that kind of language, it ought to be, hey, obedience and disobedience. And when you go before God and repent of your sinfulness, it ought to be, God, forgive me for my disobedience. Take ownership. Take ownership of that sinfulness. Jesus, uh, man, his pursuit, his life was lived in, in that love and in that holiness. And we're called to do the same. Emulate emulate Jesus and, and, and reflect the very love and holiness of God in our lives. Finally, the test of living in God's... Wow, this is going to be quick. The test of living... Isn't that great? The test of... It might. Yeah, hold off. Eric already knows. I could get carried away. The test of living in God's light is loving my brothers and sisters in Christ. And actually, this is something that I want to emphasize this morning. And in verse... Uh, 9 and 10. Let me read those two verses for you again. It says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. 
Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them uh, to make them stumble. Matter of fact, to step step backwards in 7 and 8, he says, hey, I'm writing to you a new command, but it's really an old command. Those verses connect with this uh, uh, verse 9 and 10. And it is that, that command to love. One of the greatest commandment, Jesus said, is love God, love others. Love God, love others. The greatest command. So when he comes to 9 and 10, he answers that question. Well, what's he talking about? What commandment is he talking about? It is to love. Loving is about living in obedience to God. L- loving is about living in obedience to God. It is about obedience. And I know when we come to love and, and we're told to love, man, love is easy in some cases, isn't it? It, it just comes naturally when it comes to my family. And, and, and even, uh, even that, there's some difficulty. I, I must admit, there's some difficulties even when it comes to family. And when it comes to the church, man, I can love the church. But some of the things he calls us to is difficult. But it is through obedience. So, yeah. So, so the encouragement we have from this summer is, yeah, work through that. Pursue that. Love the way that God loved us. Do you think... The love that God has given us is, is easy? Oh, we've been such wonderful people in this world. No, we've been rebellious and, and uh, absolutely going contrary to what God has called us to or what he has created us for, right? Isn't that right? He's created us to be in relationship with him. But man, we have broken that. We've broken that. So it, it requires us to love him, love him. And, and it requires that precious blood of Jesus that reveals God's love for us. Loving is about living in obedience to God. Now, those who hate, uh, very important. He, he even begins in verse 9. He says, man, anyone who says that, that you're in the light, and in that light rem, just reminds us of that relationship we have with God. That's, that's revealed. I mean, understanding, knowledge that God is Man, that's light. That's understanding. We'll, we'll know how to walk. But if there's hatred, uh, John comes along and says, then you're walking in darkness. You're blind. And, and there's going to be stumbling. Matter of fact, again, I believe he's an, addressing his congregation. Listen, if people in his congregation are involved in hating each other, then they're, they're in, in danger of leaving, pursuing some other uh, some other faith or some other uh, distorted view of what the, what the uh, gospel is. They're the ones who are going to be leaving because they have not seen and revealed to them the truth about who God is, his love, and the fact that we ought to be loving and reflecting him as well. We need to be careful. This last year, oh man, just talk to you honestly, this last year has been absolutely challenging in what is God has called us to do. Isn't that right? Uh, just, let's just admit it. Let's just call it what it is. It was difficult. Now, I'm so glad we went through it. Going through it. Not, not, I don't want to make it sound like it's, we're done, because I know we're not. But I'm so glad we went through it. Why? Because sometimes we get, and I do believe we were comfortable. I And I've said it before, I don't think that we need to be comfortable. I don't think that we move forward in our faith 
or challenge to move forward unless we, we face some difficulties. I do prefer a, a difficulty we per, per, put ourselves into, like say, hey, let's start a prison ministry. Oh, man, what's the difficulties there? Well, we're going to have to get in there, and, and so we're uncomfortable and do something new. This, this was put upon us. You know, the virus and, and everything else. But another part of that is, man, I, I don't know whether I did it all well. I don't think I did. I, I don't think I did it all well. Man, trying to process things and, and getting angry about some things and, you know, and, and maybe said some, st oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the words coming out. I need to apologize for forgetting people's names all the time, all my life, you know. But I, I feel as though that I, I've... I've continue to receive love from the congregation. I, I, I feel like you love me, and I appreciate that. Earlier this year in January, we had Michael Berg preach a sermon. Uh, you remember that? You remember the, the sermon? Uh, many of you do. And it was, it was a difficult sermon. It was, it was from a passage of Scripture, and he addressed the points and made good points. Uh, and, and in a very political time, Remember the uneasiness of politics. It was not just the virus, it was also politics. And, and when he preached it, he used some illustrations that were political. And, oh, man. And, and, and some, you know, there was a lot of folks who just were angry. Now, now let, me, let me be clear. Anger does not mean hatred. Anger can definitely lead to hatred. That, that's where we need to be careful. What, what do you do with your anger, you know? And my hopes and prayers for a congregation is, man, if there's something that causes us to be angry, go and have a conversation. I think that's what love calls us to do. Go, man, understand where you're coming from. Hey, I disagree with you. Absolutely invited to do that. What, what, what's the problem? And, and not to say that we, many of us are hate, hateful, but here's, here's what might be happening is we're avoiding that guy. You know, there he is, yeah, just not going to talk to him because of, yeah, we, did, we didn't have the conversation, didn't know where he's coming from. I love Michael Burke. I will tell you absolutely, I love that guy. I've seen him growing. I don't know, not all of you have had a relationship, but I've seen that young man growing. He's got different ideas, comes from a different background, but his heart belongs to God. He, his heart belongs to God. We're not going to agree on a lot of things. I, I will tell you that. I will agree with him because he's my brother about Jesus all day long. You, you see, and, and, and church isn't that. We all are in the same page. And matter of fact, there's, there, there's, there's great possibility. There's a, a lot of hurt out here. And, and, and what we're doing is avoiding. I'm not saying you're hating, but I, I do wonder if avoiding and just staying away from is part of leading you into that hatred. Or it might just be the, the, the beginnings of hatred for someone. And I will just tell you, it's disobedience. It's disobedience. To hate a brother or sister. And you're not part of that light. You're walking in darkness and, and blindness if that's what you're a part of. Oh, there's, there's a, oh, this thing here. You know, this last year, this is another, man, I'm bringing up all the sores, right? This thing last year, and, and, and man, different ideas, different uh, people wearing them, no problem, but, but the way we look at others, those without masks are, oh, man, 
And again, those are the people I'm going to avoid. Those are the people I'm not going to talk to and vice versa, right? And, and we could talk all the reasons for the mask and everything else. But the one thing that I will say stands over the mask is loving one another. What we're called to do. What we're called to do. Ideas and, and, and thoughts and perspectives all over the place. My head's still swimming over some details, right? But what I know for sure is Jesus says, love your brothers. Or what John had said in the scripture, what Jesus said in his gospels, that we are called to love one another. We're called to love one another. And it is commanded. And it is difficult. Amen? Can you say amen to the difficult? Absolutely. But let me say, any, anybody that Jesus died on behalf of, anybody that, that Jesus shed his blood for, deserves my love. Whether they've accepted him or, yet or not, you deserve my love because you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And you deserve to be obedient, or you are called to be obedient to God, to loving him and serving him and pursuing him. If you know God, are you living in obedience to him? I, man, bottom line, yeah, we live in the grace now. We live in, under grace, and we can't jump on the messages. That's all it is, is grace. Just accepting Jesus, and then, woohoo, go do whatever the world. No. Because in that crucifixion, he, he set you free from sinfulness. And, and, and now we're to live a life pursuing the love and the holiness of Jesus. Oh, man. Jesus' death on the cross is worth, you know, worth our lives, worth that transformation and living and seeking to honor him. Right? It's living in that obedience. If you say, I'm living in God, man, I remain in him, I'm, I'm abiding in God, you are, you, you're called to live like Jesus. You're, you live like Jesus. You look to emulate him in his love and his holiness. If you say that you belong to that light, you're in that light of God, what, what he has revealed through his grace, and you're living that gospel, then, then you are loving your brother and sister in Christ. And if there's hatred there, if there's hatred, you're in the darkness. There's blindness. And, and it absolutely can be corrected. That's the good news. Absolutely can be corrected. That's part of our journey. Are, are you with me on that? That's part of our journey of knowing, following after Jesus. Man, if there's hatred in my heart, God, help correct that. Lord, first of all, Forgive my disobedience and hating. Help me turn that around. I, again, an earlier sermon I preached basically said, I think it's an impossible love, absolutely. But I believe in what God has done to us, uh, done to us through Jesus Christ, where he's brought us, and the, and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I believe he has given us everything we need for this life and for godliness, even the ability to love the unlovely absolutely what jesus did for me i was ugly i didn't deserve it he died and you too <laughs> you too he died for you in the ugliness and the sinfulness that deserves all of hell and yet his blood was shed for you for your forgiveness 
Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for each day that you give us. Oh, Lord, uh, we, we thank you and just absolutely sees uh, that, that all the world, every one of us, life, whether we're in church or wherever we are, that you have given your grace in the fact that we have another day. We don't even deserve another day. And yet, Lord, through your patience, it's evidence of your mercy, you, you continue to, to give us life. I pray, Father. And, and praise you for the fact that your, your greatest evidence of love is through your son Jesus. Uh, Lord, we praise you that he so willingly and in obedience went to the cross that paid for our debt of sinfulness. I pray, Lord, for what we're called to. Uh, once receiving, Lord, we are called to that obedience. We're called to loving you. We're called to walking in that light through loving our brothers and sisters. We ask, Lord, that you be our strength in every day. Help us, Lord, to continue on a journey, not uh, being uh, held back by, by anger or, or frustration, uh, Lord, or hatred in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to turn those things over to you and, and, and have you work and develop in us the kind of love that, that reveals to the world that, that you are our Savior so that others may even come to that point of knowing and receiving you. God, you're good. Your, your message, your word is what we love, embrace, and that continues to challenge and change us. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.